they have a separate kitchen for Passover because you need separate dishes. And it's in action a month before the festival. My mum rents a freezer. My grandmother has a special freezer. They stock it up. They're just so scared. There's not going to be enough food during the week. It's it's a really crazy festival. We're spending a little bit of time on Dirty Linen talking about cultural festivals, cultural occasions that are all occurring around the same time this April. We've got Passover or Pesach, a Jewish festival. We've got Ramadan, which many Muslims celebrate or mark by fasting and then feasting. And there's also the Hindu festival of Ram Navami, um, which is another fasting day, which we will talk about. Today, we are checking in with one of our go-to Jews. Mariasha yes. Werdiger is the owner of Zelda Bakery. Mariasha, thanks for being my go-to Jew today. You're welcome. Happy to be the Jew. Uh, love you being the Jew in the hood as well yeah. as on the pod. Um, a return guest to Dirty Linen. It's great to have you here. So... For people who have no idea about Passover, give us the lowdown. The basic idea of Passover is to celebrate the freedom from slavery in Egypt thousands of years ago. But part of the festival is that it's important to um, remember the story and tell the story. So the um, first few days involve a lot of retelling of the story. And the main focus is also on the children, retelling it and learning. So there's a lot of interactive parts to the first few days um, and also even though it's about freedom we do a, uh, the main thing about Passover is that you're not allowed any bread because um, when they escaped Egypt this was with Pharaoh when they were trying to escape they were enslaved for quite a while um, so the idea was that they had to leave so fast that their bread couldn't rise so we celebrate by eating flatbread matzah and only when I started baking sourdough a lot did I realise that their bread couldn't rise because it was sourdough and takes a long time. Because, yeah. Yeah. Mm. None of that fast action yeast over in the old Egypt. No, and not only that, but the um, commandment of matzah is that it has to be made from beginning to end in 18 minutes. And I only understood that recently that that's because natural fermentation can occur. But they didn't teach us mm. that in school. So matzah is like a, a flatbread. So th those are the main ideas of Passover. And actually, it's a very hard festival out of all of them because you're not allowed a crumb of bread or pasta or anything leavened or anything with flour in your house. So it's like a spring cleaning on steroids. It was just a lot of work. And, you, yeah, it's a hard one. And it's also a time when families get together as well. <laughs> not that you're banking that with the hard one. Well, all the festivals are also about family, but this one really involves a lot of cleaning and also I think due to our history of being in times of persecution, I guess there's this obsession with food. So we have to change over our diet during the week. But if you if you think about it like no bread for a week, it doesn't sound so crazy, but like my mum and my grandmother, everyone is petrified there's not going to be enough food. So they have... A separate kitchen for Passover because you need separate dishes and it's in action a month before the festival my mum rents a freezer my grandmother has a special freezer they stock it up they're just so scared that there's not going to be enough food during the week <laughs> it's it's a really crazy festival 
obviously like not everyone can have a second kitchen and a second set of everything, which, you know, is what, you know, that I know that a lot of households do that. I mean, if you, yeah, in the, in the hood, it's like, if you go to some house inspections, there's a lot of second kitchens. Um, I think that this is the festival where there's almost the most difference between people. Like there's a huge spectrum of how people eat on Passover from people who just don't change anything to people who change everything and don't buy any food and make it all themselves and limit their types of food. Like there's a massive spectrum with secular Jews and Orthodox and even between families. I would say this is the festival where people's um, family traditions really shine more than any other festival. Like everyone does it a bit differently. So, yeah, I'm obviously coming from a home that does it more stringent. But there are some foods where that are a bit common during the festival. Yeah, well, tell us about some of the emblematic dishes. You know, you, you've talked about matzo, which is this unleavened crisp bread, really. I mean, it's a flat bread, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a crisp one. It's just kind of cooked flour and water. I don't even know if it has salt in it. Yeah. Um, so there's also special foods for the Seder, which is the ritual that we do the first few days to go over the story. And then there's the foods that we eat during the week. So I think the um, most popular ones is what to do with matzah, so matzah balls. Um, like people, matzah balls in chicken soup are like a really big one where you kind of make dumplings out of matzah. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Also matzah brai is really yum. So matzah brai is when you wet the matzah and you mix it with egg and then you kind of fry it like a kind of, you could do it scrambly or like a, pancake like a big pancake and you can have it sweet or savory um there's been like you can easily overdose on it and you don't realize and then you can suffer the consequences later because it's still like unfermented flour and water yeah but matzo bright is actually so delicious and i think i I remember doing it last year and just like yeah modding it with like chili oil and stuff and just yeah bit of a flavor party so good and if you soak the matzah for a while with egg you can get a bit fluffier or you can separate the eggs and the yolks and then fold it in and make like a souffle type one or you can do a kind of french toast version like with cinnamon in in with the egg as well yeah matzah and cheese is also an amazing combination like all the time actually and so people do matzah pizza or you just have a lot of matzah and cheese like crackers that's a big one for passover um, also during the Seder, part of which is the ritual dinners that we do in the first few days, we have specific foods for it. And one of them is horseradish. So you have like raw horseradish during the meal in order to kind of remember the bitter tears of slavery and whatever. That's probably my favorite part of Passover. You, you can, um, we like, firstly, my aunties kind of compete, like who can make the most powerful horseradish that you sprinkle on stuff. And then during the Seder, it's kind of like who can up each other and how much you can cope with eating, like, raw horseradish. That's a good one. Um, Also, in my family, they don't – you're not allowed to make the matzah wet. So um, until the last day. But basically, my mum makes – and her mum made quince jam. So that's, like, a really big part of my Passover is a quince jam, which is just quinces and sugar – cooked for a really long time and my grandmother also makes chocolate butter so it's basically to like replace different things that you would have in a sandwich but we just would have it on matzah 
So the chocolate butter is really yum as well. Um, some more Pesach foods. Basically, um, lots and lots of chicken soup, lots of eggs. I would say families go through a lot, a lot of eggs. Um, what else? Well, tell, tell me about find, finding the matzah or hiding matzah. Oh, yeah. So firstly, the matzah you can either use um, handmade or machine-made. So in my family, they use only handmade. Um, they're both totally acceptable. It just depends on your tradition. And actually, the matzah is from Ukraine a lot of the time. So I know some people are going out of their way now to buy the matzah from Ukraine. Um, but the tradition during the, it's to keep the children engaged during the seder. So um, in the beginning of the meal, you take matzah and the parents hide it. And then the kids have to find it during the meal and there's a reward. Um, yeah. Which is, I just, I just remember being at long seders as a kid and basically there's so many little children are asleep under the table. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Also part of the, because before you have the main meal, you go through all these courses of different things to um, remember the, the slavery. So the first bit of food that you have is um, a boiled potato dipped in salt water. And that's still like, that is how potato tastes the best I've ever had. It's like fresh, you're starving, it's late at night, it's hot, freshly boiled, and then you dip it in salt water. Um, that's definitely a highlight. Um, my dad does this thing, I don't know if it's just in our family or if it's a if it's a common thing, but he also did potato peels. He added potato peels to the Seder plate to remember the Holocaust. I feel like every family has their things that they do. And we all used to compare them a lot. Like my family doesn't eat garlic because at one point in time, garlic was packed with flour, even though it's not relevant. Like we eat garlic. Every family has their thing. Also, some families, they try and limit the amount of bought foods that they use. So they cook in schmaltz, which is chicken fat. So like potatoes and firstly, potatoes are the main food, I think. And it's done in all sorts of ways. And potatoes in schmaltz is a huge one. Which, uh, as a vegetarian, I, like I have to be careful with what I eat, but um, it's a highlight for a lot of people to have like fried potatoes and schmaltz, like chicken fat. Yum. And then the charoset is, I think um, the Mizrahi Jews do it very differently and I feel like they do it a lot better, but our charoset is apple, walnut and wine and it's mixed together and then it's also used during the Seder. Um, yeah, i I got to say the way, I mean, my mum's not listened to this, but I didn't like it growing up. It wasn't good. But some families make this amazing paste. And some Israeli people put dates and spices and cinnamon and, like, make it good. So the haroset, the maro, which is the horseradish, the potatoes. Um, yeah. Also, I don't know, my mum... Just they, there's a lot of like compote on Pesach for some reason. I don't know. Did you have that too? Like soup, compote, and then kugel and meat, and that's basically the food during the week. And a lot of avocado on matzah, matzah pizza, and matzah brai. I think that's it. So, Mariachi, as as a sourdough baker who is, you know. A, 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 
like um, ferment avoiding for a couple of weeks? Like how do you feel about um, sweeping up and closing down for this period? Yeah. It's definitely nice to have a break. I just want to say as a vegetarian as well who eats a lot of bread, I spent a lot of Pesach being hungry, but I worked it out how to not be hungry. Um, but the other thing I used to do as a kid, because I was always baking, is I was in charge of making the Pesach cakes. So um, I would go to my grandmother's, because, yeah, not everyone has a Pesach kitchen. So I'd go to my grandmother's Pesach kitchen as a kid, like 16, 17, 18, and spend a few days whipping up all the cakes for my mom for the week and for my grandmother. Um, so I would make like 25 chiffon cakes. Um, yeah, and you had to try and get them to not collapse because, yeah, there's no flour in it. So they're like a bit of almond flour or sometimes just a lot of eggs. And that is every single day we would have a Pesach cake. And then when they would flop, um, that was, yeah, that was our breakfast and that was fun as well, a lot of the flops. But my grandma's kitchen was used by a lot of the grandchildren. So, like, in true Ashkenazi spirit, I don't know, there was always, like, comparing. So, like, I would make 25 Pesach cakes and then my grandmother would be like, well, your cousin Devorah made 26. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks, yeah. <gasps> and she didn't flop any of them. Um, Mariasha, what, um, what is an appropriate greeting to say to somebody who is celebrating Passover? Hmm. Um, they say have a healthy... Passover, a happy and healthy Passover. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. And I just have to understand that for some people, they're not, um, people are sometimes strict and won't buy any food out. So you just have to respect that people often won't eat at other people's houses during that time um, or they won't eat at restaurants. You just have to be a bit more mindful of how other people are keeping it. Because it's very hard. Like you, you go to places and if you're keeping certain traditions and you can't eat what you normally eat, it's it's quite challenging. So, yeah. But that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I thought you were going to say Chag Sameach. Oh, Chag Sameach. Yes. Sorry. Just a simple answer. Yes. And we're closed. Uh, we're closed. It's over Passover. Yeah. Well, I think every Jewish bakery is closed, right? Yeah. Yeah. All closed. It's too hard to make it. Pesach cleaned. Yeah. It's too hard. For sure. Can't yeah. sweep it all out every crumb. No, no, it's too hard. Yeah. So it's a good rest. Good. Well, enjoy it. And actually, um, when does it start this year? It's the same as Easter, actually. It starts the 15th at night because we start the night before. So f- Friday night, the 15th of April, and it goes for a week until the following Saturday night. And the first, yeah, the first two days and the last two days are the kind of non-driving days for the Orthodox. But, yeah, it's eight days. Beautiful. Well, hug some air. Um, enjoy the break from the bakery. And Thank you. Enjoy 10 more days of sourdough. <laughs> Thanks. See ya. Bye. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.